When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. back for another episode of the lakers fast break podcast it's gerald glassford coming right back at you here from lakers fast break pop culture cosmos inside sports fantasy football and game source we truly appreciate everyone out there listen to all of our shows and if you can please give us a five star review on apple podcast plus if you can like share subscribe follow or do anything that you can to support us right here at the lakers fast break it is sincerely appreciated Plus, also as well, our good friends at Lakerholics.com. And, of course, all the shows that you can catch right now at the Hoopheads Podcast Network and support one of their kind of latest sponsors, Manscaped. Because Manscaped.com is working out a deal with the Hoopheads Podcast Network for a limited time only. And you can get a 20% discount on anything at Manscaped.com, plus free shipping with the code FASTBREAK, all one word. That's fastbreak at manscaped.com. And here today is a fellow diehard Lakers fan and a good friend of mine and a guy who wanted to come back on this show. I'm glad to have him back. He's a good man indeed. You got to catch him first on Twitter because he needs to get a thousand followers by draft night. That's his goal, and we got to help him get there. It is at report underscore court. That's at report underscore court. It is Stone Hansen from DraftSide.com, who's also the co-host of the Upside Swings podcast. If you haven't caught it yet, it's a great podcast that you got to check out if you are an NBA draft aficionado, wherever you get your podcast. It is Stone Hansen and Stone, great to have you back, my friend. I'm sorry. I wish it was under better circumstances, but at least you will be part of the 300th episode extravaganza. I'm honored. I'm honored to be part of that extravaganza. I wish the Lakers were doing everything to win as a part of that extravaganza, but uh, not not so. Not so right now yet, but we will wait and see what happens. Uh, again, a lot is reliant right now on the health of Anthony Davis. Do you have any thoughts on it before we get into some other stuff in regards to what's going on in the NBA with the latest on the Celtics, which is always kind of funny to see? When some bad things happen to the Celtics, as Lakers fans, we always like that, and also the NBA draft. But do you have any thoughts on what's going on with the Lakers and, and what maybe they could do to to do a quick fix on it? It's really dependent upon health at this point. Um, without Anthony Davis, it's it's pretty grim, grim days in L.A. I think the 
Suns kind of figured out their game plan by blocking off LeBron in the paint. And without Anthony Davis to sort of negate that on the other end, it's really difficult for them. So I think it all hinges on Anthony Davis at this point. I agree with you on that. I mean, it's pretty easy to see that Anthony Davis changes the dynamic of the whole series. But there's another organization that's experiencing even more trouble than the Lakers right now, and that is the Boston Celtics, something that I could see coming quite a bit of ways away. And I had said that Danny Ainge, in regards to the way he's handled the front office over the past few years, hit on a couple good picks, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And obviously that's a cornerstone to build around, but he's had the advantage of having an extraordinary amount of picks over the past few years. And there's been some times where he could have pulled off trades that would have gotten the team in a better position, could have kept some players that could have also put him in a better position, but chose not to do that as well. And his poor decisions has led to the Celtics being ousted rather easily in the first round against the Brooklyn Nets in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And this has led to him, I guess, contemplating retirement and ultimately deciding to retire today. And so I want to hear your thoughts on Danny Ainge leaving, does this surprise you? It's, do you think this is more off performance, or do you think this is something that a lot of pre, you know pressure maybe from ownership and putting Brad Stevens in charge of the future of the direction of the franchise going forward? I think the timing is more surprising than anything, having just being exited out of the playoffs. Maybe they would have thought this over a little bit longer um, towards more of the offseason but I guess it, it's a good play to do it now. Um, so they have everything in place to have a good off season, hopefully for them. I think a lot of people were kind of expecting this at some point, um, just because uh, Danny Ainge has faltered at some of those bigger moves, hasn't pulled the trigger and sort of maximized the roster around Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, guys who are still young, but are, are ready to contribute now. And I don't think he's really done the most that he could to to put the best roster around those two guys. Brad Stevens is interesting. I think he he's shown on the court his IQ with basketball. He's he's a really smart basketball mind. I have pretty high hopes for him uh, in terms of being the president of basketball operations over there. I think he's someone who understands probably He's more in tune, I would say, maybe with, with players able to connect with them easier and better. Obviously, Danny Ainge had some comments that rubbed people the wrong way uh, last week. So I think some of that may have played a part into the organization pressuring him out. It's hard to say without any intel or anything. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I guess the the move now is looking towards who who's going to be their head coach to replace Brad Stevens. So it, there's a lot of names out there, and it should be interesting. Plus also what changes they need to make to the roster, because I think some drastic moves need to be made uh, in regards to that. I think a team that once found itself just a game away from the NBA Finals has fallen on hard times. So we'll see what happens there. And, and again, obviously getting Jalen Brown back to health is a big thing for them. But yes, uh, this is something that, you know, if you're on the inside or at least you could see from the outside, uh, you could see coming because, you know, you just 
just the amount of picks they had over the years. I mean, they had at one time like a, I don't want to say an Oklahoma City treasure trove, but it was more substantial at one time than anybody else in the NBA. Yeah, for sure. They had had a lot of picks and a lot of juicy picks too, high up there. And they, they probably could have done a lot more with them. Uh, but instead they're, they're stuck with this team. Not that it's a bad team to be stuck with per se, because they have some building blocks with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I uh, still have Kemba Walker. Um, however, the league values him at this point. Marcus Smart still a really big asset. So they still have some pieces there. It's not like they're, you know, totally um, barren in terms of assets, but there's some work to be done in Boston if they want to go back to contention. Absolutely. There's going to be a lot more that needs to be done there, but that's going to be interesting to see. In fact, I want to dedicate shows to what the other teams around the league are going to be doing over the course of the summer. Once again, I've got Stone Hansen. you got to check out what he does at draftsite.com with his amazing mock drafts. I know it's coming to that season, my friend. I know you, I know Michael Weisenberg, also a great guest of the show. And of course, my good friend as well, Mr. Rafael Barlow, who is probably somewhere on planet Earth right now preparing for the draft because he's one place, and then he's in another, and then he's in another, and then he's in another but he's also doing his show, the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and make sure that I check all you guys out on the, all the great stuff you do. But the, it is the NBA Draft. I know we've been talking about it for a while, and I've got actually a, a top 30 in place myself. I'm thinking about whether or not to debut it before or after the lottery or just wait for it. I've got it ready, but I wanted to go ahead and talk to you about who you've got right now. And I see what's going on with your mock draft, and I want to ask you this. Davian Mitchell, I'll start off with him before we get into some surprises or who's rising up the chart. Davian Mitchell seems to be someone that initially, when Baylor won its national championship, he skyrocketed. And he skyrocketed. I saw him all over the place in a top seven, top you know six, top seven right there for you right behind Jonathan Kaminga. And it seems in recent weeks he has fallen a little bit. Uh, you know, he's still a lottery per se, but he's fallen to around the 9 to 12 to 13 spots. So I want to hear your thoughts on why that could be. Have a lot of experts such as yourself taken a second look at him? Have, you know, are, this, are you hearing this intel from scouts, NBA scouts that are saying, whoa, maybe he uh, doesn't have as much potential. Maybe some other players have risen up really sharply ahead of him. I want to hear your thoughts on Davian Mitchell, again, coming off that extreme high of the NCAA championship. Yeah, I think, like you mentioned, just that initial NCAA championship bump probably played a part in him moving upwards. That seems to happen pretty much every year. Guys that that win the championship, they see a slight increase in, in their stock, their draft stock. And, you know, after that sort of high uh, fizzles out, and then guys tend to drop a little bit. Davion Mitchell is someone I personally was never that high on, at least having him in the 6-7 range or anything like that. Right now he's probably slated, like you said, to go in the back half of the lottery in that maybe 9-14 to 14 range, maybe even a little bit after, depending on where the picks fall and who, who's picking where. I think... Yeah, he, he's someone that uh, also age probably plays a factor in it too. People start, a lot of lottery teams tend to go for youth and upside and Davion Mitchell, although some people may view him having some upside uh, at his age, there's probably a little bit more concern with that. 
how much higher of a draft stock can you get at age 22, how much potential is really there. So questions like that start to play a part for teams. And there's also, it's a pretty heavy guard draft too. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out because there's players like Josh Giddy that have risen as well. Uh, so teams that are in need of guards, maybe obviously much different players, but but both in that guard position. Teams that are looking for that guard may may start to have him slip down a little bit just because there's other guys with higher upside. Now, what are your thoughts on Josh Giddy? I mean, for, at first, people were really buying into his passing skills and the way he could coordinate on the floor. Plus, he has great size for someone who people project is playing the point guard, although I'm not 100% convinced that he's going to be able to succeed as a point guard at the next level. He is six feet eight. He is a little bit higher on your list now. I think he's actually uh, right in the range, right at the beginning where where people project him at, in the 12 to 20 range. I've got him closer to the 18, 19 area personally because I think that there's some, uh, I guess, there's some question marks for me in regards to his shot, his athleticism. And it's more than what I had on Luca. Luca, I could see, you know, there, there are people talking about his athleticism, his speed, could he do it, whatnot. But I just thought that he had a more commanding presence when he was playing and the footage that I had seen for quite a bit uh, before he was drafted. So I know people are trying to relate some of his game to him. I don't see as much of that as I do. And that's why I think I've probably seen him a little bit lower than you do. But I want to hear your thoughts on Josh Giddy. Do you think he can go ahead and succeed at that level? Yeah. Um, with Josh Giddy, I have him slated at number 12 on my on my uh, mock draft. On my own big board, I would have him probably in the 15 to 18 range, somewhere in there. You think people are going to buy in the hype? You think these teams are going to buy into the hype? I do. Guys with elite passing, uh, such as Giddy and at his size, are pretty rare. Um, so that combination alone is going to get him a lot of looks higher up, I think. Probably biggest difference between him and, him and Luca is obviously just the success they had at levels before the NBA. Like Luca was already a, a EuroLeague MVP at age 18. Yeah. So he and had already won two EuroLeague championships. So the the success level there just in terms of what they had accomplished before making the NBA was a pretty massive difference in indicator. I think uh, the other difference probably being the shooting. It was already like a polished and just great shot maker already at that age uh, where Giddy has a lot of, of concern shooting wise as elite as a passer as he is. And he is and that size really helps create advantages for him. But the shooting has a lot of concerns. I personally buy into it as being at least serviceable at the next level. A guy who can maybe be a 35% type shooter on decent volume, but shooting and defense, um, which is weird considering his size, but defense is also a concern for a lot of people. He moves very slowly and he probably has some more strength to gain. Uh, He has a good frame for that though. So there's questions with Giddy. That's probably why I'm not as high on him as NBA teams I would expect to be are. But there's definitely a lot of intrigue there. And elite passing in, in that size, that combination doesn't really come around too often. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. I know you've been hearing about Manscaped on all those other programs and podcasts. Well, Manscaped and the Hoopheads Podcast Network are working together on something fantastic. And oh my goodness, have we got a deal for you. 
Manscaped.com has just released their wireless, waterproof, and rechargeable Lawnmower 4.0, which offers their trademark skin-safe replaceable blades that gets you the ultra-close shave exactly where you need it. Head on over to Manscaped.com and choose from the huge list of men's grooming and lifestyle products, including the ultra-popular Lawnmower 4.0 Body Groomer, and get 20% off at Manscaped plus free shipping with the promo code FASTBREAK at manscaped.com. That's right, just type in FASTBREAK, all one word at checkout, at Manscaped, and get ready to start looking good this summer from your friends at Manscaped, the Hoopheads Podcast Network, and the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. International-wise, I still want to stick with one more, and that's Alperin Sengun, who seems to be a favorite for a lot of individual scouts and experts out there. I know Rafael Barlow has him high on his list as possibly being the best international prospect at this time. And I'm, I, I'm on the fence between him or Giddy uh, in, re, in regards to who is the best. Alpern Segun is going to be someone who, if he succeeds, he's going to have to succeed as a small ball center. I think that it may be as a four at times, but I don't think he's going to be a space four per se. I think he's going to have to be your small ball five, maybe coming off the bench or even as uh, your starting five. I want to hear your thoughts on Alperin. Do you think he's going to be able to succeed at the next level as a small ball five that is going to be a mainstay there? I mean, his hustle and drive and his motor is, is not in question. I'm just thinking that his size issue may hold him back. Yeah, so Sangoon is pretty interesting. There's people that are either super high on him. I've seen him as high as like number eight or seven on people's big boards and people that are really low on him as far as the late 20s, early 30s. And I seem to fall kind of more up towards the latter just because I really do like Sangoon. I like his play style. He's probably one of the most polished uh, skill guys in this draft. Um, He's just really good at what he does. But my issue with him is what he does is sort of outdated for today's game. The shooting, he has a really slow release, strong base, and it takes a long time for him to get that shot up. Some people buy him being able to shoot off the dribble. I don't. It's just, it's too slow. He has a great handle, but the problem is it's it's very slow, and I don't see how functional it's going to be in the NBA. He's a, probably the most skilled post guy in this draft, too. Uh, just a ton of great post moves. The footwork is great. The problem is it's it's all in the post. It, all yeah. of his game is predicated in the post. So it's very difficult to see what that value is, especially if you don't buy the spacing or anything. Uh, defensively, he's he's okay as a rim protector, I think. Uh, some people probably buy that more than I do. But he's a guy that you don't really want switching or coming outside of the paint, um, and that sort of hurts his value too, in my opinion. Uh, bigs that aren't able to switch, you see, you see the value of them. Um, a guy like Bam Adebayo or uh, Nick Claxton, guys who are, are kind of ab- able to seamlessly switch on the guards and wings. That's something that's never really going to be in the in play with Sangoon. But he's decent enough as a rim protector. He has good verticality. The wingspan is in question. There's different reports as to how how big it actually is. I've seen anywhere from six ten to seven two. So that'll be a big answer, hopefully, in the combine. He's really good at what he does, but the problem for me is what he does doesn't really fit in today's mold of the NBA. And that's something that has got to be in question with any of the big guys, and, and that's why it's become such a wing and guard heavy draft. 
in regards to that because there you, there's a lot of issues with uh, some of the big guys. Uh, you know, I I know that Greg Brown is only in the first round, in my opinion, because of his extreme athleticism. I'm not sure exactly what else he brings, but he brings extreme athleticism, and that's that's part of the deal. I mean, that's why he's still there as a big guy, and and Kai Jones and. Kai Jones is, could potentially be someone that could be, uh, you know, that that shooting five from the from distance that can still do do a lot of rim running. I'm not as sold on it as as a lot of other people as far as the distance shooting is concerned. As a rim runner, absolutely. But again, we're seeing that uh, take place where you can get someone at seven feet that can do those things probably a little bit later in the draft. If not, you can pick them up off the free agency market and, and do almost as well as that. I just, I don't see any big men in this year's draft really able to go ahead and move the needle. And that's something I think that we're lacking on in this year's draft. Yeah. Um, I mean, Evan Mobley is probably the mainstay for most yeah. people. I, I, yeah. Him notwithstanding my apologies. Yeah. 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 I, I buy Kai Jones like a lot. I'm probably the biggest Kai Jones fan there is. I just really love his skill set. He shows a lot of flashes of being able to switch onto the perimeter. I buy the shooting as at least being a um, a spot up guy. He'll never take anybody off the dribble or anything, but uh, being a spot up guy can I buy the shot and the mechanics and everything. Do you um, buy it all the way out to three, or is it just going to yeah. be something that's going to be a ten, twelve to fifteen footer? No, I buy him out to three. I think it's going to be a project though. It's not going to be there immediately. His rookie year or anything, maybe two or three years out down the line. I really like his shot blocking, his timing. He has really great timing on the blocking shots. And I don't think he's really one of those guys that, like a Hassan Whiteside maybe, that tends to hunt shot blocking, where it sacrifices defense in other areas. And he has he has pretty good vision and handle for his size too. That's something that you don't really see with a lot of big guys. But he's able to kind of run the fast break and transition and do things that most big guys can't. So just that skill set alone is really intriguing to me. And the way... I kind of view the draft as guys who have a lot of variables, who have a lot of paths to success. I tend to buy more uh, than a guy who just has like sort of one path to success. And if that doesn't work out, then, uh, you know, kind of tough luck. So guys that have a a lot of ways to be able to provide um, value to a team is something I look for. Uh, And with Kai Jones, I buy that. With Evan Mobley, I I agree with you that that him – and then if you're saying Kai Jones as well, I'm just worried about how far can he stretch out. If he can stretch out, obviously he has the athleticism to succeed. And then after that, it's kind of dry as far as the big men are concerned that really going to play a substantial amount or be effective. Like we're seeing in the playoffs where you can literally just play a big man off the floor if they're not able to go ahead and do the things that they need to on defense and offense. But Evan Mobley, I just wish I'd see more aggression from him. I know that uh, during the course of the NCAA tournament, I know there were some issues and concerns. I think that had he been more aggressive, they could have had a better chance against Gonzaga in that first half. I know that's something that I was kind of down upon, but again, the talents there and, and the ability to go ahead and do so many things. I, I agree with you on that. And the more that you're able to do, the higher you should go in the draft. But speaking of rising in the draft, before we head on out, I got to go ahead and ask you about some of your risers in the draft as far as is concerned. Some of the people that have caught your eye in recent weeks that you think maybe now that I give it a second chance, and of course, with everybody that does drafts like you do, 
a third chance, a fourth chance, and so forth, that you see rising up on the charts as individuals that could be on NBA draft day, individuals that people need to keep an eye on? Yeah, so for probably the top end of the draft, I've really risen on Scotty Barnes as of as of late. Uh, I went back and watched, like you said, a third, fourth time, some games on him. Pre-draft, I was really high on him. I had him top five, and uh, I sort of felt faltered on that a bit throughout the season. Uh, but when I went back and looked, there's just a, a lot to like there. Generally, I value shooting a lot for a prospect. If you can't shoot, then uh, I'm generally going to be lower on you as a prospect. But with Scotty Barnes, I kind of threw my philosophy out the window with that because he provides so much value in other areas. He has a really unique combination skill set of just being able to handle and pass the ball at a really high level for a guy his size and defend possibly one through five uh, in the future, which is something that is also super valuable. He's super strong for his age too. He's already developed. He's got an NBA body that's ready to go. So there's just a lot to like with, with Scotty Barnes. He's athletic, but he uses his athleticism in, in ways other than just run and jump. So there's a lot in the top end uh, of the draft. A lot of top end teams, I think, are going to be looking at him. Guys, towards sort of the middle of the draft, uh, I'm really high on Jared Butler. There's some concerns I know with um, he has a heart condition, and that's why it took him to like the very last second to declare. So hopefully everything's okay with that stuff. Medicals at the combine will come out okay for him. But he's a guy who I think can provide both immediate value to a team and um, has some upside as well. He's got really elite handle. He's a strong guard. He's able to uh, get his own shot, especially in isolation, one of the better isolation guards in this draft, I think. So I, I'm pretty high on Jared Butler relative to most people as well. Uh, and then towards the end of the draft, maybe more so in like the Lakers range, a guy I'm really high on, and I know a lot of people on uh, like draft Twitter are high on, is Vrend Blindberg, another international guy who at 6'10 is able to handle and pass the ball. Again, just another unique archetype in, in combination that you don't really see too often. He's able to space the floor. Defensively is, is probably the biggest concern for him. But His size. I mean, you talk about 6'10, but he, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he has those... How should I say very nicely these those Pokashevsky type of concerns? I think is probably what is probably the best way to say it. Yeah, he does. He's definitely very slim. I would probably not quite as slim as Pokashevsky because he's he's like very, <laughs> very very slim. The thing with friends too is he was like 190 pounds or 170 pounds, excuse me, a couple of years ago, and I think he's all the way up to like 210 now. So he's definitely gained a lot of muscle. Leaves room for optimism in terms of his frame being able to bulk up even more than that. So hopefully that'll play a part also in his defense, uh, being able to kind of hold his own maybe against bigger guys, maybe some small ball fives or bigger fours, being a little bit more versatile on that end. But I really like him, and he probably goes in the second round maybe. But if I'm a team, I'm looking at him probably in the mid to late first. There you go. Absolutely. Could be a Lakers pick. You never know because we hopefully. still have our, every, yeah, hopefully we still have our picks. So that's number 22, if I'm not mistaken. So we're hoping yeah. uh, for some good things there at that pick because I think the Lakers need to go ahead and fill out the back end of the roster. Regardless of what happens with the Lakers, that back end of the roster, I think, needs to be better filled with individuals that can provide different things for the team. 
And if it's a little bit of injection of youth for one of the oldest teams in the NBA, I don't think that's a bad thing, especially when you have a 20-year-old on your team. And if you have a 20-year-old team and you're still one of the oldest teams in the league, that means you kind of need to go ahead and, and put some more youth in there. But Again, there's still so much to talk about when it comes to the NBA draft. And that's one thing I want to ask you, and I know a lot of Lakers fans out there want to ask you, is right now I'm not going to go ahead and put your mock draft any lower than what people see right now because, again, they need to go ahead and check out DraftSite. You just got to try try, you know, just type it in there, DraftSite.com. Go to the NBA mock draft section. You'll see stone hansen's latest mock draft right there and i'm just putting it one through seven as you can see on the video screen but you know this takes us and everybody will ask as far as for the lakers right now and uh, of course that far low in the draft my mock drafts when i start putting them out there and your mock drafts as you continue to put them out there are probably going to have a different individual each time when it gets to number 22 it's it's rare that somebody is going to stay at that position each and every time out but i want to hear your thoughts on who the Lakers should target. I think at that point in time, you're just trying to get the best individual as possible. If you're not thinking a trade, you know, as the Lakers love to trade, but I know they can't trade the pick initially. They have to sit on it for a period of time. So they can't quote unquote trade that individual right away. They might actually keep the individual. And I, I'm, I think they kind of, that they need to, in order to go ahead again, to fill out that back end of the roster. But your thoughts on who the Lakers might be thinking of at number 22. This is a really deep draft. So the Lakers are in good position here to get someone pretty valuable, uh, even though they're picking a little bit lower. There's a plethora of names, honestly. Sharif Cooper is one. I really like Sharif Cooper. And Do you, are, are you worried about his shooting? Because I, I uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. He's. I'm more worried about his shooting than anybody else in this draft. I don't think he succeeds shooting with his current mechanics. I think whatever team he goes to, the shooting coach is going to have to completely strip down his shooting motion and mechanics and build from the ground up because at this point, it's just, it's really rough. Uh, he, he's really undersized too. He's generously listed at six foot, but probably closer to like 5'10". But he has, like apart from LaMelo Ball and maybe Luka Doncic, the most elite handle in, in passing that, I've seen since I've done started doing this in 2015. He's, he really is an elite passer. He just sees things before they happen. Uh, he's able to get the ball to guys that a lot of other people just aren't even capable of making these types of passes. Someone like that I think could be really useful for the Lakers, especially when LeBron sits or even when he's playing. It gives him another playmaker, so he's not always carrying that load. Another guy that could probably help the Lakers later on He's dropped as of late. I'm not sure if he'll drop this far. It would be Corey Kispert, obviously a sharp shooter. You know what he's going to bring. He's a one-trick pony, but what he does, he does at an elite level, uh, and that's being a shooter, something the Lakers could obviously use next to LeBron and, and utilize. Someone that I like, as I've mentioned already, the two guys, Kai Jones and Jared Butler, kind of already have talked about them, but Jared Butler gives them another guard. I think the Lakers are probably going to target a guard in this draft just because I think a lot is up in the air with Dennis Schroeder at this point. There's there's a lot of questions in that specific area for them, and I think being able to lock that down on a cost-controlled player for the next couple of years would, would benefit them. But if they do decide to go with a center as well, because they have they already have a lot of centers, but a lot of them could be leaving too, would be Kai Jones, uh, someone that 
you know, when AD inevitably gets injured, can sort of fill that role, obviously, to a lot, a lot lesser of a degree. But being able to at least just put some pressure on opposing opponents' rims, being able to defend outside of the paint more than, say, an Andre Drummond, who can give a little bit more rim protection. Uh, that's someone I think they could look at. And then two other last guys I would say would be Trey Murphy the third, who's also sort of a sharpshooter like Corey Kispert, but I think offers a little bit more defensive upside as well. He's a little bit different of a shooter as well. Kispert is better off of movement coming off of pin downs and curls where Trey Murphy is able to navigate cuts. He's a better cutter and he's able to navigate screens probably a little bit better as well. So between him and Chris Duarte, another shooter, who's also just going to fill that same role as the other two guys I mentioned. But Duarte, uh, he is 24, but he is going to be ready now. So any team yeah. that is going to get him, you're going to get him with not a, a high ceiling as far as it's concerned. You get him, you get him as he is now. Duarte's old, like super yeah. old. He's like, yeah, as you mentioned, he'll be 24. And he is going to fill that role immediately, though. I think Duarte is good in terms of just being an immediate impact guy. He's not a guy yeah. that I think will fall out of the league by the end of his rookie contract. He's going to be able to hold his value, I think. But you have to kind of know what you're getting into with Dorte. As you said, he has a limited ceiling. Uh, there's not a whole lot of untapped potential there with that. But he is going to fill that role right off the from day one, right off the bat. So uh, those are a few guys I would definitely look at for the Lakers. Good variety there, I think. There's, just, there's a lot of guys in that back end of the draft that could be useful. Uh, it's just a matter of kind of what role the Lakers are looking to fill. Once again, I'm speaking to Stone Hansen. He is the co-host of the Upside Swings podcast. You got to check him, Ryan Davis, and Bryce Hendricks out each week on the Roll Call Sports Network, wherever you get your podcasts, plus also his amazing drafts that he's got each and every time out when he updates his mock drafts at lines.com, at lines.com. I always say draft site is in the brain, but it's if you type yeah. in draft site, it's gonna it's gonna migrate. Yeah, it's gonna migrate over to lines.com. So don't worry about that. It is lines.com. And I'll tell you what, my friend, it's been great having you here. I'm gonna actually bring you on again as we get closer and closer to the draft. We still gotta get together with Raphael and all the guys, Mikey B and all the guys to get together on another amazing mock draft. That would be awesome to get, but before we head on out, it's your turn. You got the floor. You got to go ahead and get a chance to plug anything you want. So I give you the floor, my friend, what you need people to check out when it concerns Stone Hansen. <laughs> yeah. So as you already said, I, I do my own podcast, Upside Swings. You can find that on Twitter at Upside Swings, and you can check out wherever you get your podcast. We'll be there. Uh, just breaking the draft down more in depth. We're doing a lot of prospect profiles right now where we break down individual players it's really long and nuanced and in-depth, so if you have an hour and a half to kill while you're doing something else, feel free to give us a listen. All my other work, lines.com, as Gerald mentioned, you can find that just at lines.com, and that has my mock draft for 2021, and I just put out a 2022 one as well. And then just solo individual work, you can find at report underscore court on Twitter. I'll post all of it there. I have a big board, hopefully coming out soon, and then a written piece as well coming out on the draft uh, hopefully within the next week or two so yeah i have a lot of a lot of stuff coming up i'm also doing a couple other guest podcasts draft related as well so everything i do you can just find all of it at report underscore court there you go got to follow him on twitter he needs a thousand 
he's on his way there. He said he needs a thousand by the NBA draft and gosh, darn it. We need to give him a hand on that. So please support him today at report underscore court. It is my good friend, Mr. Stone Hansen, a fellow Lakers fan. We'll see what happens with the Lakers, my friend, but you are here as part of the 300th episode extravaganza. I cannot appreciate you enough and thank you enough for stopping by with your knowledge on the NBA draft. I know, again, it has always, for me, been a pleasure having you on now well over a year you've been stuck with me so we'll wait and see if you can go ahead and handle more episodes with me but i'm definitely glad to have you here thank you so much to jamie and albert for the thumbs up on facebook it is truly appreciated and thanks everybody for watching and for everybody out there that's listening we truly appreciate it as well once again please support stone hansen today at lines.com that's lines.com right there for you plus also as well his awesome show upside swings please go ahead and check that wherever you get your podcasts well stone it's been amazing having you here fellow lakers fan we're keeping our fingers crossed for the future of the lakers franchise and i cannot thank you enough and of course before the nba draft hits you got to come back on right here at the lakers fast break podcast We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. Thank you so much for watching and listening. You get a chance to give us some support out there and love by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, or follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, it is sincerely appreciated. Well, 300 episodes in the books right now. It's just awesome to be here once again, part of our 300 episode extravaganza per se. But I wanted to go ahead and bring on a special guest for this episode because it's 300. It's a nice big number. And who better than the man who started it all? He is a good man indeed. You got to catch what he's doing on Instagram at Healthy Movement Blueprint. On Instagram, it is a good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check him out there on your social media. It is Boomer Parole and Boomer. Great to have you here. Long time no here, but you are the man that started it all in episode one. I wish we were talking under better circumstances now that it's the off season, but I am so glad and so happy to have you here nonetheless. Absolutely, man. And I got to say, uh, I give you props for wearing that hat today. Under the circumstances, a lot of people are probably putting their Lakers stuff in the closet for a few weeks. But, yeah, like you said, you know, 
it would be nice if it was under uh, different circumstances, but you can't win every year. So this is going to bound to happen more often than not. Probably wear my purple and gold anywhere and anytime I can. You know, I know I'll probably get flack about it and mm-hmm. especially hearing LeBron this, LeBron that over the next few months. But you know what? I'm going to smile because I've got memories of a great 17th world championship not too long ago. And I know that their team that they're probably shouting at me at that they really like or really support hasn't won anything anytime recently, most likely. So I'm very supportive of my Lakers team, win or lose. And I'm very happy that they were able to go ahead and win one with LeBron in the bubble and AD when they were healthy. And I, I think that's a part of the issue there is that they were not healthy and coming back too soon after the end of the season. And you could point to a lot of things on what ifs, whatnots, but of course, it didn't end up coming into fruition for us this season. But I will say over the course of the 300 episodes, since I last spoke to you, 299 actually, but since the last time I got a chance to spoke to you, there's been some highs and lows. And I want to ask you those highs and lows for you since we last spoke. I know we talk about, like I said, the championship that they won, which was obviously a real high for you and Kobe passing away was obviously real low low but i want to hear your thoughts on over the course of the past year plus since we talked your thoughts on being a lakers fan during that time yeah well look as you said of course we won the title last year or uh really like what six seven months ago or exactly not even a full year so as frustrating as it is right now you got to look at that and it's funny how a lot of the LeBron haters or analysts and, you know, people that weren't in the league or haven't been in the league were talking about how that's a tainted title. Uh, it's not as significant, but all the players that were in the bubble were talking about how hard it was to play in the bubble. So you can make a case that that's as special of a title as there's ever been. Yeah. So you look at that and, you know, even though this season didn't work out this past off season, it at least appeared that they were making the right move. So just the off season in general was exciting. The first half before AD's first Achilles injury was a lot of fun to watch. And as a Lakers fan, pretty much since then, it's it's all been downhill. But there's no doubt about it. Up until four, four or so months ago, three, four months ago, there was nothing to be upset about if you're a Lakers fan. So there, there's no doubt that. There are a lot of positives to look at in this past year, year and a half. Absolutely. And uh, it's a little bit of negatives. Uh, of, course, of course, the disappointing uh, factors that we had to go through over the course of the past year, year and a half, the unfortunate and tragic death of Kobe Bryant. Uh, I know that's something that still weighs heavily on the minds of Lakers fans. I haven't had a chance to speak to you yet on this, and uh, I know that day is probably etched in your mind. When you first heard the news of, of Kobe's passing, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on how it's affected you since. Oh, yeah. It's definitely one of those things where, uh, of course, it hits you a little harder if you were a big Kobe fan or Lakers fan. But I think for most people, it's going to be one of those instances where you remember exactly where you were and exactly what you were doing at the time. And I was out to lunch with my mom. I could tell yeah, you. I agree. Uh, the restaurant I was at, I could tell you the exact table we were sitting at. And my cousin texted me and said, Colby died. And I don't know anyone else named Colby. So, but still my first 
reaction was Kobe who? Because you just didn't believe that a guy like that could could die, which sounds silly, but he says Kobe Bryant, helicopter crash, and then you first think, oh, it's not true, it's not true, uh, you know, probably one of those fake reports, and then just, you know, over time, the course of the next few hours, you realize once all the rumors settled of who was on the, the helicopter, you realize it was true, and uh, there's no doubt that that first few days were rough. It's like a lot of people that were on television said, I definitely shed a few tears. And then you realize while you're doing it, it's like, man, it's crazy. I never even met this guy and I'm, uh, I'm still crying. It just shows the impact that he has had on so many lives. And yeah, you know, it, it was definitely an intense uh, week or so, but I definitely tried to use that as motivation to help me work harder in life, as I think most people did, yeah. just because that's what most people knew him uh, as, is just not only a competitor, but just someone who was as hard of a worker as you'll ever find. So, you know, just like the season, you always look to find a positive, and the positive was it, it definitely motivated me, and I still try to use that as motivation to this day to to work harder, and especially on those days or those moments where you don't feel like working harder you just think about him and what he did with his life and it makes you makes you want to go a little harder i want to ask you this uh, obviously coming off that tragedy and all that summer with the time off because of the coronavirus and the the unsurety that we all had as far as seeing if this net last season would ever finish and on and just basically culminate in in some type of fun finality and they did announce the bubble. Of course, everybody was very unsure about how it was going to go. What were your thoughts about the bubble itself and the expectations on whether or not it would or would not succeed? I mean, initially, of course, I was like, oh, this virus spreads so easily and quickly. I don't know how they'll be able to uh, keep it from spreading. All it takes is one person to get it, and then next thing you know, half the league could have it. Yeah. My initial thoughts were that it was going to be a tainted title because I figured it was bound to happen where one team was missing a key guy because of COVID. They missed the whole series, but obviously that wasn't the case. And after that first, I think, week and a half or something, two weeks of just playing those quote-unquote regular season games, I don't think anyone ended up getting the virus. So it, it went great as far as what I thought about the games themselves. I didn't really have an opinion on it. I know some people actually liked it more with no crowd. Some people thought it was terrible and didn't want to see it. If anything, I would have liked them to not have the fake crowd noise in there. I think it would be cool to be able to hear the players. I understand why they didn't did that because, of course, in the, <laughs> during the game, I you hear probably more curse words than, than not. So I understand why they didn't do that, but. Uh, I didn't really have much of an opinion about the games themselves of whether I liked it or not. It's at the end of the day, it's, it's still basketball. Absolutely. It is just basketball. Indeed. Once again, I'm speaking to the first original guest I've ever had on the show. And that is Boomer Peralt. Please go ahead and support him today on Instagram at healthy movement blueprint. Please, if you can support him there on Instagram, Boomer, I mean, as we went along in the bubble, First off, the Lakers got off to a horrible start of the bubble. They looked absolutely terrible for the, that rig, end of the, I guess, the eight-game stretch, as, a, as it were, uh, leading into the playoffs. And we were very unsure here on the show 
about the future, what the Lakers would look like at that point in time. Heading into the playoffs, were you confident that the Lakers were going to pull it off? Or Because you were on the East Coast, and this is the one of the things I took most from our conversation originally so long ago, was that you on the East Coast, you almost equated to like you being on an island unto yourself as far as your Lakers fandom is concerned. But leading into that bubble playoff scenario, were you concerned about where the Lakers were at that point in time? I don't think there's any question that you had to be a little bit concerned. I can't remember exactly, but I do believe in one of those last two games, in those those playing games, they played the Clippers, I want to say, or they, they played or them with the They played the Kings, I know, in their last game and looked yeah, absolutely might have been the Nuggets then. And they ended up having a tight game, but they came through at the end, which gave you a little bit of hope. But, uh, again, they weren't playing well once they got to the bubble. You didn't know if LeBron specifically wanted to be there or not. Uh, they were going against the team that everyone was calling the greatest eighth seed of all time in the Portland Trailblazers. So yeah. there's no doubt that you had to be concerned. And then, of course, they lose game one. But uh, after they picked up that game two victory and then game three, then all of a sudden that worry started to go away. And not to jump too far ahead, but you kind of hope that would be the same situation this year as they definitely came into the regular season not playing their best basketball over those last few weeks of the season. And boy, did we start to think that things were going to turn around after game three of this year's playoffs where the Lakers were starting to fool around and starting to have some fun out there and starting to have that camaraderie. And it, it just for that one brief moment in that game where we saw the things that we had experienced in the bubble and we were starting to see the team that we saw in the bubble in that game and things looked so bright from there. And of course it all went wrong from there, but going back to the bubble real quick, last question I want to touch on is that ultimately we did know what happened with the Lakers and they did ultimately beat the Miami heat in six games for someone who again is, you are amongst the very few out on the East coast that support the Lakers so wholeheartedly how was it for you experiencing that in such a format when the Lakers won that world championship? It was cool, but obviously I have some basketball NBA fans that are friends, but I don't have a lot of Lakers friends. So you get excited, but there's not necessarily people to celebrate with that you're with. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's basketball, it's NBA. So I don't need to celebrate. I, I get happy and then, I move on. So no was, screaming in the backyard or anything. No, no screaming in the backyard for me. Maybe when I was in, in high school, but uh, I'm, I'm too old for that now. Fair enough. Uh, fair enough. No, it, it was it was cool though, no, no doubt about it. And of course, even the friends I have that are NBA fans, it's funny how much of a shift there's been. And really, I think you can attribute it to Golden State's dynasty. But everyone seemed to root against LeBron pre. Golden State dynasty, but then since then, it seems like everyone's been rooting for him. So uh, even though I don't have a lot of friends that are Lakers fans, I had a lot of people I knew that were still rooting for him to win. And going into that, they did come into this season, but the injuries, Solomon Hill rolling up on LeBron James's ankle, which was, I think, a very climactic point for the team. At that point, we were still in a very competitive state. AD, at the time he got hurt, we were just out of first place in the Western Conference, and 
we're still uh, very high up there and we're looking to go ahead and rebound and start playing better as a team when that happened. So we saw what happened when the injuries and how well they affected or how much they affected the overall status of that. And that's something that the Lakers ultimately couldn't overcome. Yeah. So I loved all the moves that they made this offseason. I thought that there was no doubt if you look at that roster, and of course you add Andre Drummond into there midway through, but it was not only a more talented roster than last year, but as deep as a roster talent-wise as you'll find almost any year. My one question was, it's more talented. Is it going to be a better team, though? Last year, they were talented, but they were just such a good team, not only with the chemistry, but just everybody seemed to know their role and fit their role, and we had all the roles covered. This year, it seemed it was just a roster put together of the most talent as possible. Still should be good enough to win a title. And but like you said, then – AD goes down, and then LeBron goes down, and now all of a sudden, you not that you will ever have people to pick up the roles of a LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but I think you really started to see that this team was just based off of talent and not as much of a, a team put together to play together. And, you know, once they went down, we just struggled to score so much. The threes that were going down seemed like uh, almost every time they went up in the first month of the season. Now we're rarely going down. Obviously we never got that going to the playoffs. It's just the, the offense, as soon as LeBron went down, even when he came back, just the offense never seemed to look good. It just looked ugly up until last night. Agreed. Very much agreed. We'll be back with more of the Lakers fast break podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was The Last Skywalker. I know. Condolences to me. Wow, man. Right. I I just had talked about that and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yeah. Is that doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. So I'm going to put you in Rob Palenka's chair. Okay. I'm going to have you sit down and you're going to meet with everybody and what to target for the offseason. So if I put you in Rob Palenka's shoes and his paycheck as well. So, you know, we can't do anything without his paycheck. But if I put you in Rob Palenka's shoes, before we end on out, I want to ask you this. Where would you go with the Lakers? What direction? Because you have still a very small window for LeBron. Sure, you have him contracted for another three years, plus AD contracted for another three years. But what changes do you think the Lakers need to make? Besides, obviously, with AD and LeBron, they need to get healthy. That's first and foremost, obviously. But what direction do you think that the Lakers should go as far as making some tweaks, changes, or things that are necessary to the roster in order to get things done next season? Yeah, well, it's it's definitely going to be tricky because of the cap situation. Uh, we yeah. don't have much cap room at all, so it's not like you can just go out and sign anyone you want. I think it definitely starts with looking at uh, Schroeder and, and Drummond. Would I like them back? Sure, but 
it depends on the price. I believe we offered Schroeder a four-year, $20 million or $80 million contract earlier in the year. He said no. He, the rumors were he was looking for 24. Uh, I think he knows after some of the performances he put on this offseason that he's not getting that, and he might even be lucky to get $20 million a year now. So if we could get him back at a team-friendly discount, who knows? Maybe after his playoff performance, he knows that he can't get the money. Maybe he signs a one-year deal for 15 again. I'd be happy to take him back at that. Andre Drummond, same thing. I know he wants all-star money, but when you, every other game, can't make a bunny shot to save your life, and even though he's not a terrible defender, but he does, of course, struggle a little bit on the perimeter. Uh, it's just tough to pay a guy like that the money he's going to want. But if we can get them back at the right price, uh, I'll take them back. It's just there's not going to be a lot of flexibility outside of re-signing the players, the, the way the cap works, to go out and get you know really any big name. Maybe if we can try a signing trade with Schroeder. But I think re-signing those guys, of course, re-signing Caruso is going to be a big one, one of the most underrated players, in my opinion, in the league great guy off the bench. Uh, and then, you know, the same things it seems like you say every single year with the Lakers is we need another three and D guy and we need a primary number three score, a guy we can rely on because we just did not have that this year. Of course, the threes weren't going down, even though we had, it seemed like everyone on the roster could make threes, but just not for the last few months, but we just did not have a guy who consistently put the ball in the, the bucket especially on their own without needing LeBron to set them up. So if we can try to find that, I don't know where we'll find it with limited cap space, but uh, that's going to be important because uh, whenever Kuzma signed that deal for 13 a year, it seemed like I was, I was like, okay, that's a team friendly contract. But then the way he played this year, he might've been better overall. His rebounding was solid this year. He was definitely better facilitator, but just scoring wise, you just can't, it just seems like you can't count on him to, score, let alone, you know, 18, 20 a game. You can't even rely on him to score 10 points in, in these games. So he's not going to be the guy. Is Schroeder the guy? Uh, he doesn't – his whole career he hasn't been consistent enough, so you can't rely on him. And there's no one else on this roster really that can – you look at it and say, okay, they can get their own shot. So definitely finding that number three score. And, again, three and D guy. But we, I feel like we say that every single offseason, so – this season, more than ever, we have limited cap space. Uh, the one bright spot is this upcoming year is the final year. We have to pay Luol Deng that $5 million. Yep, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I cannot wait until that comes off the books. And and you're right, we're going to have to play some cap gymnastics. KCP, Kyle Kuzma, those are the contracts that we have. There's eight free agents we either want to resign or want to go ahead and let them go on their own way. So we have to make tough decisions there. Plus, like you said, we need to go ahead and bring additions to the team. They're going to help out in those certain spots. But, yeah, we cannot thank everyone enough for watching and listening. Once again, it is Boomer Peral. I want to go ahead and check out what he's doing on Instagram at Healthy Movement Blueprint. And thank you so much, Reed, for the thumbs up. We truly appreciate it. But before we head on out, it's your time to plug. Did you want to go ahead and plug what you're doing on Instagram or whatever we want to talk about on that? Because it is your time to shine, my friend. The floor is yours. Uh, I appreciate that. I know the first time I came on episode one, I had a different Instagram. It was for charity I was running to support mental health. Now, the Healthy Movement Blueprint 
is my business. I'm an online personal trainer and I've just been pushing that for the last six months or so, even though I've been doing it for a little longer. I no longer run that charity. So uh, yeah, if anyone out there, whether it's back pain, hip pain, knee pain, or just wants to learn how to move better both in and out of the gym, that's what I focus on. Not as much the weight loss or muscle gain, but just more the healthy movement aspect of it. Hence the name Healthy Movement Blueprint. So whether it's Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, or TikTok even I'm on, it's a healthy movement blueprint. And uh, you can find me, whether you want to work together, just have any questions, you can reach out and uh, I can definitely try to help you with that. But once again, Boomer, it's been so great having you on. I'm hoping, I'm going to reach this out to you. So I'll put this on you, my friend. I'm hoping it will not be another 300 episodes before I catch up with you again. But I do thank you very much for your time that you've taken today and previously. I look forward to chatting. You know what? I'm going to see you at 400. We'll make a date right now for 400. You come back on. I'll give you plenty of time. We'll hit you up and we'll get you back on the show for 400 because that will probably be in the first part of this upcoming season. So we'll get a chance to go ahead and catch up on your thoughts on how they did over the summer and your thoughts on whether or not the Lakers can go ahead and come back and get that 18th title ahead of Boston or anyone else. I'm committed to it now. Episode 400. I'm in. There you go. Awesome. Indeed. Once again, it's Boomer Peral. Please check out the great work that he does on Instagram at healthy movement blueprint right there for you, please. Or Facebook or any social media type in the words, healthy movement blueprint, all one word. And it comes right up. It is Boomer Peral. You got to go ahead and check out what he does. And please, if you need any type of physical therapy that really he can go ahead and give you that movement, get going, get that blood pumping. I see it right now, even on his Facebook right now, I'm watching him go back and forth. It's really cool right there for you. But Boomer, I cannot thank you enough for spending time with me on episode 300. I really wanted to make sure that you were here for it because again, it wouldn't have started without you. You reached out to me after I was inquiring to see if who would come and want to talk Lakers. And I appreciate the conversation then. And I certainly do appreciate the conversation now. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much again. Appreciate it, Boomer. And thank you so much again for being part of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.